Well, good morning, Christ Church. It is such an honor to be with you all this weekend. Um, I'm just, uh, yeah, just really excited for this. Um, a little bit about myself. Um, I was born and raised in the South, uh, Alabama to be specific. Um, went to the University of Alabama, and if you are wondering, as many of you are, yes, I am a diehard um, Alabama football fan, Roll Tide. Um, I like to side on the side of greatness um, when it comes to my football team, so. <laughs> um, but I've lived in Chicago for almost 13 years, um, and uh, I am also the daughter of Nigerian immigrants, uh, John and Chizwa Oku, and I mention them because I know that I stand on their shoulders and that because of their journey, that is the reason I get to stand before you today. So that's an important part of my heritage. Um, and it's also interesting because I grew up really ashamed of that heritage. And so now coming to a space where I know that um, all of that is, all of that diversity is beautiful, um, gives me a lot of pride. And I know that God created us all in different ways to bring different parts of our story to the kingdom of God. I grew up in the church. Uh, my parents were um, devout Christians and still are. And I spent a large portion of my adult life in the church, either leading or on staff. And the majority of my church experience has been, um, had been within the white evangelical church. But as I got older, I started to engage in more diverse church spaces. And it really began to change the way that I thought that God saw me. And so I share that, and it's only a portion of my bio, but I share that because I think it's important as we dive into the Word of God to really understand the stories, to understand the background, to understand where people are coming from, and how we engage in our faith and how we engage in community. So with that being said, I want to dive into our scripture for today, and it comes from uh, Luke chapter 8 and verse 43 through 48. And it says, And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him, Jesus, and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, No, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she, she, told, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. So when we jump into the story, we um, are catching Jesus in a, a period of time when he'd been traveling, he'd been teaching, he'd been healing people, casting out demons, you know how Jesus does in just a normal day. But a large crowd had gathered around him and they were welcoming him into their town. And that's where we come into our first contact with this woman, this woman with the issue of blood. See, the story could have literally ended there. It could have been like she touched the hem of his garment, she was healed, and they moved on. But Jesus does something that is really unique. 
Jesus asks a question. Now we know Jesus is the son of God, he's fully human, fully man, but he knows everything. So when Jesus asks a question, it is usually rhetorical. He already knows the answer to it. But when Jesus asks a question, we know that there is a lesson for us. There's something that Jesus is wanting to teach us in this moment. So when Jesus asks this question, he says, okay, someone touched me and I want to know who that is. And no one really admits to that. And, and Peter says, you know what, like, look, there's, there's a crowd around you. It's like being in the middle of Chicago on like the 4th of July. I mean, lots of people are probably touching you and you don't even know who that is. But Jesus said, no, I felt power go out of me. Someone touched me. And then in verse 47, it says, then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, then the woman, seeing she could not go unnoticed. See, this is the thing about this woman as we learn more about her. First of all, she was a Jew living in the Roman Empire. So that meant she was a minority. She was a minority living in a majority culture that was not her own. Secondly, she was a woman living in a patriarchal society, so that meant she was second class. So she's a Jew and she's a woman. Two counts against her in this society. And then in, in the book of Mark, there's another retelling in Mark chapter 5, and it says a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. So she's a Jewish woman who has this issue, but she cannot stop menstruating. And in the Jewish tradition, you were unclean while you were menstruating, and you had to go seven days before you could be declared clean. So if she was constantly menstruating, that meant she was never clean, that she was always unclean. And what this meant for her was religious and social isolation. So she's a Jewish woman living as an outcast because of her condition. Three, three strikes against her. And then we know that she spent all of her money on treatment. So now she's living in poverty. So this woman is living on the margins of the margins. And she is used to living in the shadows. She is used to no one talking to her. She's used to being by herself. She is used to trying to hide so that no one would see her. And on this day, she's like, Jesus is going to be in my town, but I know I shouldn't be in this crowd, but maybe if I can just sneak through and just touch the hem of his garment, maybe I can connect with his power and something will happen. Maybe I might be healed. So this woman who's lived in the shadows, in the outcast, as an outcast, realizes in this moment, oh, Jesus is not letting this go. He wants to know who I am. He wants me to be seen. And this is powerful. This is the radical nature, the radical love of Jesus because 
what happens is that then she is able to tell her story. It says she came trembling and fell at his feet. And in the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him. She shared her story, her condition, and she shared how she had been instantly healed. So Jesus not only just sees her, but he gives her the mic, as I like to say. There wasn't a microphone, but he asked her to tell her story to the people. And can you imagine what that did for her? This woman that people probably wouldn't even look at, all of a sudden, all eyes are on her. She is seen. Jesus has said, you were created in my image. I don't care what society has said about you. You carry the image of God. There is dignity. My glory shines through you. Woman, rise up, tell your story with boldness. This is a powerful, powerful moment. Because this is the thing about our God. God does not look at anyone and say, you are hidden. God does not look at anyone and say, because of your condition, you don't matter. God doesn't look at anyone and say, you are not worthy of my image. God looks at every single person and says, you carry within you the image, my image. And so therefore you are my divine creation. You are good, you are worthy. Stand up and let my glory shine through you. See, God sent Jesus to save us. And I'm so, so grateful. Can never even express that. But God sent Jesus also to teach us how to live while we're still here on this earth. And I think the interesting thing about Jesus, well, there are a lot of interesting things, but this is one of those. <laughs> one of the interesting things is that I, I think about God could have sent Jesus in any point in history, any point, in so many different forms, but God sent Jesus as a Jew living under the Roman Empire, and not just a Jew, but Jesus was poor, as a poor Jew minority living under Roman Empire. So when we say Jesus walked with the poor, Jesus didn't just walk with the poor, Jesus was the poor. When we say Jesus walked with the disenfranchised, Jesus didn't just walk with them, he was the disenfranchised. So in this story, when he looks at this woman, he knows intimately her story because he has walked that path. He understands what it's like to be living in poverty. He understands what it's like to be disenfranchised. And his heart moves, and he also knows what she needs. That in that moment, she needs to be seen. She needs to be reminded of who she was created to be. This is why Jesus was always surrounding himself with the marginalized. 
the uneducated, the tax collectors that no one wanted to talk to, the lepers, the women. I love the way Jesus interacted with women. It was so powerful because in a day when people said, you are less than, Jesus looked at them as equals. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is how there were these Jewish women who were the first ones to get the message that Jesus had risen. And they were the ones tasked with telling the disciples that. They were the first evangelists talking about the resurrection, resurrecting power of Jesus. Jesus could have told anybody, but he went to these women. Jesus was constantly giving value and worth to those that the world said, you were less than. Howard Thurman is a, a theologian, and uh, he said this, and I'm kind of paraphrasing, but he said, Jesus is hope to those who need profound strength and support to enable them to live in the present with dignity and creativity. Jesus is hope to those who need profound strength and support to enable them to live in the present with dignity and creativity. See, Jesus knew. He understood the society in which he was in. He understood who was told that they were on the, on the outskirts. He understood that there were people that were considered out and in. And Jesus came to turn that on its head and said, regardless of what society tells you that you should be, you need to remember who you were created to be and to live into that purpose. So back to her story. When she tells her story, Jesus is making a statement there. It is a radical and revolutionary act. He knows, he knows about the laws. He knows about the things that, that make her unclean. But Jesus is saying, I came to fulfill that law. And so you are no longer unclean. You have a rightful place in this community. You can't use this law to marginalize people, to try to diminish people. You have worth. See, we are the ones who try to use different things or differences to create divide. And I truly believe that it is a lie of the enemy. Because Jesus came that we might be one, not divided. And so when Jesus came, that was the message that you can't use these things, whatever it is, your gender, your skin color, your class, whatever that is, none of that should be a dividing factor. I have come that you might be one. So then he said to her in verse 48, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Go in peace. And that word peace the Hebrew is translated, it's, it really means um, shalom. And shalom is this beautiful, all-encompassing idea of, of not just the absence of violence, but it is wholeness, the ability to thrive, to flourish, to fulfill the calling that God has on your life, to reflect the image of God to the world. 
I believe that in this story, Jesus is teaching us that no one is hidden in the eyes of God. They're only hidden people because we refuse to see. And the more we refuse to see, the more harm we do to each other and ourselves. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 21 through 26, it says, that I cannot see the hand, say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, these parts of the body that seem to be weaker are, or, or indispensable, are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving great honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Desmond Tutu says this. He says, my humanity is bound up in yours, for we can only be human together. See, what Jesus did for the woman was not just for her benefit. Yes, she found healing and hope, but he also did it for the people that were surrounding her. He also did it for the crowd because it was a reminder to them that her humanity mattered, that they were connected to one another, and that if she was suffering, they were suffering. If she was rejoicing, they should rejoice. We are part of one body. Her suffering cannot happen in isolation. We are called to this unity. So in scripture, we, we don't know all the stories. There are probably thousands and thousands of more stories that Jesus um, was involved in. We just get a sampling of those stories told from his disciples. But what we learn from those stories is that Jesus had an MO. He saw the humanity in everyone. Now, I, um, I have faults. You may not think that, but I do. And sometimes um, when I'm reading scripture and Jesus is, you know, kind of really giving it to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, I'm like, cheering Jesus. I'm like, yes, you tell them. You tell them all the things that they are doing wrong because that's what I like to do, if I'm honest. People that I don't agree with, let me tell you how wrong you are. But I was really convicted um, a couple years ago when I started to understand that Jesus wasn't doing that because he wanted them to think that he was better than them. Jesus was speaking truth to power because he loved them, because he understood and saw their humanity because he knew that while they were using the laws and the religious laws of the day to separate people, to marginalize people, that they were harming not only the people on the outskirts, but they were also harming themselves. Because we can't reflect the full image of God if we refuse to see that in someone else. We can't reflect the full image of God if we refuse to see that in our neighbor. 
And so when Jesus is saying, you can't do that, he is doing that out of love and saying, really, I want you to be whole. That is God's desire for each and every one of us, that we not just cut our arm off and let it bleed because we think it's less than and we don't need that. And that's what happens when we refuse to see the image of God. We miss out on those connections forgetting that God connected each and every one of us. We are one body, one family. And this is why all of the isms, racism, sexism, classism, ableism, the list goes on and on. All the things that make us look at people in different ways. This is why it's so bad. It is an affront to God. We are telling God, well, I don't really think that highly of your creation because I see something different. That's why it doesn't, we, you know, sometimes we think it just impacts the people that are oppressed, but it impacts all of us because we weren't created to exist that way. So I know this series is um, called Hidden Figures and you know, kind of based on this movie, uh, which I really loved. Um, and there was one part of the movie that really stuck with me. And um, I believe it was Dorothy Vaughn, and she's, she's in the library. And I, um, this is going to be, this is a spoiler, but I feel like if you haven't seen it by now, then it's not my fault. So um, <laughs> there's a scene when she's in the library, and she wants to get a book to learn about this um, computer program so that she can run this office within NASA, run this program within NASA. So she's looking for this book, and there are two sections in the library. There's a the colored section and the white section, which, let me pause. I grew up in the South, and I'm still learning the extent to which things were segregated. And I had never even thought about the fact that the libraries were segregated. Because as a kid, I loved, I lived in the library. I was that kid. And any book I could get my hands on, I did, because I was just constantly wanting to learn. And I, I had the opportunity to do that. There were no different sections, but for her, there were different sections. So she was in the college section, and she realized the book that she needed wasn't there. It was only in the white section. And they told her she could not check that book out. And she started to cause some, you know, ruckus, like, as rightly so, but they ended up kicking her out. And then there's a scene where she gets in the car and she pulls out the book. She's stolen the book from the library. Now, I don't condone stealing, but in this case, I cheered. Because she was then able to learn how to run this program and it benefited not just her, but the entire program. It benefited really all of us. And think about what would have happened if she hadn't had access to that. Think about what would have been missing. See, when we talk about racism and white supremacy and, and all of these things, we talk about it in these like political terms, but really what we're saying is that this is a system that diminishes the image of God and people. And that's why it's wrong. It goes against the very heart of God. 
Because I'm sure God's like, how can you diminish the very thing that I put in each and every one of you so that you can all flourish? Because we can't all flourish if there's a group of people that aren't flourishing. And that's what Jesus saw in this story. He knew you all can't flourish if you are ignoring complete parts of your community, of your society. The heart of God breaks when we choose not to see. Throughout history and even today, we still suffer the ramifications of choosing not to see. The genocide of native peoples, the Holocaust, enslavement of Africans, the, the genocide in Rwanda and Cambodia, mass incarceration, the treatment of undocumented immigrants, the list goes on and on and on. And we lump them all together because it's easier, but God does not. There are individual stories, there are individual lives, each of them carrying the image of God. And when we choose not to see that, when we choose to marginalize, the heart of God breaks. So what stories are being hidden today? What groups of people have we decided deserve to be treated less than human because of the color of their skin, their immigration status, their zip code they were born into, their gender, It's one of the reasons this story is so powerful for me. As I mentioned before, that there came to be a point when I started to read scripture and to really pay attention to the context, who the people were, where did they come from? And when you begin to see that, you begin to understand a little bit more about who Jesus was and why he cared for those who were outcasts. As I mentioned before, I, when I, as I was growing up, there were a lot of instances where I experienced racism, but in my church, we never really talked about that. There were instances in my church where I experienced sexism, and it was confusing to me because I started to believe that maybe God thought I wasn't good enough because I didn't understand why I had certain gifts and the same gifts as a, a guy next to me, but I was treated differently. I wasn't allowed to do things. And I was like, well, maybe God thinks that I'm just not good enough. And as I began to really look at scripture and see where Jesus spent his time, I realized that wasn't true. That yes, society may have said those things, but Jesus says, I have called you. I've put my image in you. I have given you skills and gifts. And no matter what people say, you walk in your calling. You walk in your purpose, even when it's hard, knowing that I will give you strength. That's what Jesus does for all of us. So are we going to be like the disciples? and just say, it's okay, there's so many people, we can't, we don't have time for the individual story or one person connecting with you. Or are we gonna be like Jesus? 
and say, I see the image of God in you. Even though you may be different from me, I see the reflection of God in you. When this woman connected with Jesus, she found hope. She found healing. She found solidarity. Someone who understood her plight and wanted to walk with her. Our connection with Jesus changes things. For those who exist in cultures that are oppressive because of something that certain people deem unworthy, Jesus walks with us. Reminds us that we carry the image of God within us. Reminds us that we have strength through Christ to continue to shine to stand with dignity and to unleash our creativity and purpose in the world, regardless of what society may say. For those of us who sit in a place of privilege and power, the connection to Jesus is a reminder of the image of God that you carry within you. That same image that connects you to all people. And when you see the image of God being diminished in another We have to use our resources and our voice to turn over oppressive systems and pass the microphone so that their stories can be told and that we might all be reminded of our humanity. There are no hidden figures in the kingdom of God, only people who refuse to see them or people who've been crushed under the weight of oppression. But Jesus came to remind us that we are one body and that when one suffers, we all suffer. Jesus came to remind us of our connection to one another. And I'll close with one of my favorite quotes by an Aboriginal activist, Lilla Watson. She says, if you have come here to help me, you're wasting your time. But if you have come because your liberation is bound with mine, then let us work together. So my prayer for you today is that may the light of Christ burn brightly in each of you. May we all recognize the image of God in us and all people. May we work together so that we might all experience freedom and that the collective light of Christ within us will begin to drive away the darkness. Let us pray. Most holy God and loving creator, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. We thank you for the example that we have and how we engage in this world. I pray for every person here. God, if there's any way that their light and the image of God has been diminished within them, Lord, I pray that you would remind them today of who they are, who they were created to be. And God, may we all walk in our purpose. May we all walk in love. May we all walk in the recognition of our connection to one another so that the world may know of your love and of your hope and your healing.
and that your glory would shine through all of us and that we might be one. In your name we pray, amen.